1: Morning Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, December the 6th, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Usually you see Steve Wilfong there just loaded with recruiting information, but he is on the road. Much going on in 24-7 sports. We had the transfer portal Palooza yesterday. He was a big part of that, but we have the man here, Steve Hellwagon, stepping in. Steve, plenty to talk about.
0: Oh, yeah. What uh, what turbulent times we are living in, Dan. And uh, I did a shot on 97.1 The Fan this morning, and uh, it was kind of like, uh, what can be done about this transfer portal? And I'm like, guys, the toothpaste is out of the tube. But uh, they went uh, all in on student-athlete rights and student rights, and uh, this is where we're at. I mean, uh, we even had some people tweeting like, this is messing up our – our calendar, our December calendar. And it's like, you know, when a kid wants to leave a school and he wants to play football somewhere else next year, he needs to be enrolled at that next school at the beginning of January. You know what happens at the end of December? They close all these schools for the holiday break. There's no admissions people. There's no nothing. Nobody to even show them, you know, the noodle bar or anything like that. So it's kind of like, You got to make hay when the sun's shining. And for these guys, if they're really going to be at the next college in January, now's the time when they have to leave the old college and go find that new college. Yeah, I'm not
1: one who has a problem with the transfer portal. I did have a problem this morning when I got duped on the Internet. Uh, about a certain Buckeye supposedly leaving, and he's not thinking I'm not even going to bring it up and create panic on that, but
0: no, don't bring up the name because the name has been strange. I know,
1: good lord, it already cost me 30 minutes of my life, I'm just not going to get back. But, um, it is very interesting, and I will say the past, but it's been chaotic. If you, I'm trying to keep up with it, and it's not something you're going to be able to keep up with. There's so many names going into the portal right now. There's so much misinformation going out there that you're almost better off just kind of sitting back and letting it wash over you. There is one guy um, that I know for a fact that you can tell. uh, Steve Wolfong has a story on the Virginia quarterback, Cypress, who, uh, Fentrell Cypress, I believe, second team all ACC, looks like a real good player. Let's talk generally, though, here. Do you expect them to be... Active. Active little transfer portal knowing they got to be getting ready for uh, Georgia.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to do what they can. And I think that they've got some definite holes. I think that some things were exposed. Obviously when you played the university of Michigan, there was no pass rush. There was no coverage. And when you marry those two things together, that's not good. Uh, you may, there may not be any offensive tackles. Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones, probably both headed to the NFL You could use a plug-and-play offensive tackle, perhaps, as well, although you think Josh Fryer probably would hold one of those spots. But Mm -hmm. it is a little disconcerting right now that uh, there's going to be starting jobs on this team open, and if you want to play for the national championship a year from now with a a first-year starting quarterback, McCord or Brown, whoever it may be, you might – it might behoove you to go out and find some plug-and-play guys at two or three spots, kind of like a Tanner McAllister or or, or somebody else that uh, could come in and uh, start and help the bottom line right away. So it does not surprise me a bit, the predicament that they're in. So far, there haven't been any uh, major contributors who've pulled up from Ohio State and said they won't be back next year. And I'm sure Ryan Day wants to keep it that way.
1: Let's address the name of the guy who – Won't be back and kind of never was really here for his final year in Columbus. And that is Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Came off a Rose Bowl performance against Utah that was arguably the best. You could make an argument. It's one of the best wide receiver performances ever put forth in college. That will be his lasting memory for us because never really got going this year. Got hurt early. Hurt his hamstring. Tried to come back. I don't try and tell people how to manage a hamstring injury. If anyone's ever had one, they are quite finicky. This is taking on some Nick Bosa vibes, though, uh, towards down the stretch here. I'm not sure I see the similarities. Um, Man, Danny Cannell's a bad human being for some of the stuff he puts out there. But uh, good Lord, seriously. I want to make a prediction. I'll bet Danny Cannell's wife isn't even that big of a Danny Cannell fan. I'm just saying.
0: Uh, yeah, he, he's a bit of a just, contrarian at times, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just being a dick. Excuse my language. Um, I don't understand the, the, really the issue. I'm serious, though. I don't really understand the issue. The guy has a, a messed up hamstring. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been part of the team this year. They haven't constructed game plans for months that had Jackson Smith and Jigga involved. Folding them back in might even be a challenge. Um, What's your vibe on the whole thing? My My feeling is he came here. You know, when these guys come to Ohio State, people have made a hard time grasping this. Every kid that comes to Ohio State is the best player in the history of his town and is expected to go to the NFL and take care of his family for life. He's going to get to do that. So mission accomplished. I'm not sure we should be so upset with the dude, your vibes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that... uh... You know, I'm a Reds fan. I can remember that Ken Griffey Jr. One year had a hamstring and it lingered, you know, May, June, July, August. You're like, dude, is this ever going to? come around and I think it must be the same situation here with Jackson Smith the Jigba that just never came around. I mean they tried to put him back in there for a game maybe against Toledo the week before they were playing Wisconsin as I vaguely recall and it didn't go very well. Mm-hmm. He pulled up lame on a on a deep route and was never seen or heard from again and there was some sentiment that he had leaven- even left the state to go get treatment or an opinion of what he should do with a orthopedic uh, specialist. So um You know, I'm not going to begrudge him anything. He's a great Ohio State Buckeye, and, uh, you know, it just didn't work out this year for him. I think, uh, you know, take what Coach Day said at at face value. Nobody wanted to play more than he did, and it just didn't work out for him. And... uh, you know, what can you do? I mean, it's unfortunate that the best news was that they had Marvin Harrison Jr., who looks like he may come away with the Bolitnikoff Award potentially. If it's not him, then it's the Hyatt kid from Tennessee, I think, are the top two probably for that award that I presume is going to be on the award show Thursday night. So uh, that's been great that Marvin came out of, uh, you know, out of his shell and became a star. And Mecca Yuka became a star. And they got some serviceable return on Julian Fleming. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of Jaden Ballard and Xavier Johnson. I think they both deserved a little bit more of a shot. And as you look at the snap counts, I'm going to do potentially, and this is kind of transfer portal tinged, I'm going to look at guys who've been in the program two, three, four years. uh, And if they're not getting a good enough percentage of plays – uh, you know, why would they stick around type thing? Um, but those starting receivers, Harrison in particular, he played like 80% of the plays, which is like almost unheard of, if not more. And that that to me is almost a too heavy of a workload. There's a diminishing return on a guy like that who blows himself out, you know, 60 plays a game running all these intricate routes. And, you know, they talk about on top, you know, the, the top of the route or whatever, all this stuff, you know, these – technical terms that they tell you and all that it's impossible to be great at the top of your route 60 times a game. It's just not possible. So the NFL guys don't try to do that. So uh, why we would expect Marvin Harrison, uh, and I asked Brian Hartline about that early in the season, and he didn't really have a great answer to it other than we want our best players out there, you know, when the game's on the line. So, you know, whatever. But at uh, any rate, uh, sad about Jackson Smith, the Jigba, that it never worked out. Just imagine where this team would be had he been available. Maybe some things would be different. Maybe the Michigan game wouldn't have looked and felt quite as bad as it was. Maybe, maybe they, you know, I don't know, maybe changes the tenor of the whole season. I don't know.
1: Let's talk philosophy here in terms of the transfer portal. We've been talking about filling holes, which is great. What about bringing in guys and recruiting over people through the portal? How do you feel about that? Because look, Ohio state is the type of brand where you could go out and make a list of the top sophomores in every position in the country and just go start making calls. I realize that's illegal and there's some backtracking that has to go on. But you have the platform where a guy who may be shining at a smaller spot or even, I don't know, one tier down, he wants to come be a star or get inside, I mean, Ohio State's track record for putting people in the NFL. I do think there's a general concern though that if you start doing that, you damage the relationship with guys you've recruited for longer. And there's like an idea of, you know, the wild West in here, but you're going up against programs that are are sparing no expense. And I don't think have, you know, 19 year old feelings in the lurch. So no, I, 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 do you worry about that hurting the team?
0: Yeah, there's a chemistry issue involved with that, but even when they brought in fields, uh, you know, it was kind of like, well, he assimilated from day one, so it was all good. It was all, you know, we weren't worried about, you know, upsetting the apple cart by doing that. Um, you, you raise valid, valid points here. I mean, um, it's not, you know, show friends, it's show business, you know, is what they're in. And it's, it's a business. And if you want to be top three, top four in the country, win the Big Ten, beat Michigan and play in the playoff, win the playoff. You need the best 22 players you could put on the field uh, each year. And I think if you can upgrade a spot or two, um, it, it, it wouldn't be, you know, that big of a deal. It's it, You know, I think about the transfer portal, and this is kind of interesting. Over the weekend, Indiana basketball played a game at Rutgers. Indiana was undefeated went into Rutgers and Rutgers won and they held Indiana to 48 points. And when I looked at the box score, only 19 of the points scored by the Indiana team were scored by guys who Indiana recruited as high school players. The other 29 points, whatever it was, was scored by guys who transferred in to play at Indiana. So, I mean, makes it hard for fans to identify with a team and a play and players who come and go so easily I mean, like Jamari Wheeler last year for Ohio State basketball was a rent-a-point guard. You know I mean? That's just mm-hmm. how it is. And the same this year with Isaac Likely and Sean McNeil. They're they're rent-a-backcourt, basically, Tanner Holden, although he may stay two years. Just the suing, you know, he's ended up playing three years. But to digress, it's probably easier to slide a guy in in football where there's 22 starters as opposed to – basketball, where there's five, where you really uh, could upset things, but then guys leave for the NBA and you've got open spots. And, and listen, these coaches are making so much money. They don't want to risk that by having a down year. So they've got to go out and get the best players they can get. And I wouldn't surprise me to get an edge rusher, offensive tackle, a wide out, possibly, uh, certainly a corner. I mean, those are four positions that probably need uh, some some help right away, I would think. Hey, maybe running back too. That's my my thing is
1: this. I think you fill what your obvious holes are, and then it's just if you want to come take a shot at the title, let's roll. Um, yeah. They, they've got to be able to assess, you know, the yeah. whole kit and caboodle, whether that's going to make Sonny Styles angry and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? The trickle down effect for your younger guys. You also got to assess who matters, if they're angry or not.
0: Yeah. One thing's for sure. Which high school you're upsetting and all that other stuff. I mean, and that's and that's a constant, no doubt. Um, I mean, you know, they're losing this kid from Cincinnati LaSalle, which produces, you know, some players, you know, maybe uh, one or two players a decade or more, you know, give or take. And they're a good football program. Is is that going to create a problem? I mean, he didn't play at Ohio State this year, you know, in his second year. So, you know, I, I don't know what to say about that.
1: I tend to think Ohio State, provided they, you know, there's nothing uh, nefarious going on behind the scenes. I think it's obvious enough at Ohio State that it's difficult enough to play there that that won't have the effect it might have on another place. It's hard enough to get on the field at Ohio State that I don't think it's that political. I'm sure there are other spots where it's closer. So for a long time, there's been a running joke at uh, Bucknut's because my Washington, D.C. roots came out, and I referred to offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson as Ron Wilson because he was stuck in my brain as a former Caps coach, So now you always know why we call, we do the Chuck Norris, Ron Wilson thing. Kevin Wilson is leaving, going to Tulsa. I'm somewhat surprised about that. You know, uh, the past few off seasons, he had been discussed, and then it kind of been said, Well, maybe he's a little bit older and is not looking for a head gig and now he's out going to Tulsa, which is a decent program. Obviously, he's looking to uh, probably amp the salary in a little less stressful situation or whatever, but your thoughts on him leaving the idea of adding someone to replace him and then maybe what you see with the rest of the staff down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, he's got to be right around 60 years old because he left North Carolina in 1984, uh, alma mater, and uh, I left Ohio State in 1990, and I'm 54, so that's how I figure everybody's age, Dan, is off what my uh, age in relevance. All math starts
1: with your college, graduate, and the number 18, and we go from there.
0: That's it, 60. So he's right around 60. So I think he wanted a new challenge uh, to end his coaching career. He's been a college coach for 38 years or something like that. And I think he wanted a challenge to say, look, this didn't end well for me at Indiana. I want to rewrite that. I want to say I can be a college head coach. I can do things the right way. I can put a winner on the field. Tulsa was 5-7 and this year with Philip Montgomery, who was their coach for like eight years there. And they fired him. Uh, They beat Houston the last game of the year so they could play with anybody in their conference. And their conference is kind of changing a little bit, obviously, with some teams leaving and some teams coming in. So it's there for the taking if you invest in the football program, I mean, we saw Tulane this year uh, came out of nowhere to win that league. So uh, Tulsa, he's got ties back to home, Oklahoma, obviously as a former assistant coach uh, for Bob Stoops there at Oklahoma. So that made sense. And um, you know, I, I just think that uh, he wants maybe a five, eight year run as a head coach here to end his career the way he wants to end it. Uh, he he and Ryan Day made beautiful music together here the last five, six years from when Day was assistant to when uh, Day's the head coach. So it's uh, it's been a fabulous run for them. Where's it going to go? You know, I would say Brian Hartline is the coordinator with Day still calling plays. If Brian Hartline wants to take that on, uh, you heard Brian Hartline mentioned for Cincinnati, but he's never had coordinator experience At the college level. So maybe this gives him that last thing on his resume before he can become a head coach, either at Ohio State or somewhere else. And I do believe he's on that trajectory, that path to potentially be the Ohio state head football coach at some point, obviously still very early in his coaching career to, to make that kind of a bold statement, but he recruits well, he develops well, he's got people skills out the gazing, you know, so he, he can do it. He can be that guy. I just think he needs to get, you know, to 45, <laughs> get, get, a get, get a, get a few more miles on the, on the tires. And I think he could be that guy down the line. I'm not, saying he should be their head coach next year or anything like that. Let's do baby steps. And they got a star. They've got Keenan Bailey, this guy who who's probably been offered assistant coaching jobs up and down the line and has stayed put as a support staffer at Ohio State, probably well paid in that role to where it wouldn't make sense for him to go and even be a coordinator at a Mac school uh, out of Ohio State support job. Uh, he's probably making more money. At Ohio State so uh, to me it's kind of a ready-made double play ball and you can uh, assemble the the positions however you want Bailey at wide receivers and heartline with tight ends and vice versa or whatever they share them or whatever but uh, to me that just seems I mean and they've got Fry as well who has experience as a coordinator at UCLA as well but uh, to me I think this makes the most sense
1: the only time in the entire offseason I got really nervous was when Partline interviewed with Cincinnati. That would make I mean I those, I bullets, even,
0: I, those bullets were coming right at your head. Yeah, you got to I,
1: Like that was one of the things I started to think about my stomach started to hurt and I'm like I'm not even going to go down that road.
0: Well, they got Bailey and ba- I mean he didn't play in the NFL, but he's a guy with people skills out the yin-yang as well that Just uh, for the
1: current recruits though, I mean the wide receivers
0: yeah. Well, Well, Bailey's a big part. Bailey's a big part of that too. You see him the rapport he has with with young guys when they get him on campus and the camp and everything. He he's their friend too. So I think uh, that's a good point. Full time staffer. He's a guy that has learned, you know, from Brian Hardline. This is how it's done. So you know. uh,
1: you hear from a lot of parents, too, you'll hear the name Coach Key. Coach Bailey, yeah, about. Coach Key. Like, uh, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll, they say it really quickly, too, so you don't know what they're talking about. He comes up a lot. Like, he's a,
0: yeah. he's
1: the fill-in-the-gaps kind of uh, Clydesdale type. Good
0: stuff. You know what? Um, he, he was actually down helping um, with offensive line and with tight ends a little bit more this year. I think they did that. I think he wanted to do that because, yep. in a sense, you know, you you get – Branded as the wide receiver guy. That's the only position you can coach. Now you can say, Oh yeah, I did a year or two. We worked with the offensive line. We worked with the tight ends. And this is what we did, you know, as a group. So he's got that experience now that he can go in any number of directions if need be.
1: What is your feeling on the portal when it comes to quarterback hypothetically? And when you're Ohio state and you know, you're producing first round draft picks at quarterback consecutively now, like I said this a while back, you can count Joe Burrow or not. This shows no signs of stopping. I could make an argument it's going to go for several more years. Please keep in mind, the number one high school football player is committed to Ohio State. If you were to do a ranking of the entire country, Dylan Riola would be number one regardless of class. So that's a good place to start. Would you go that's after good. a quarterback in the portal? Hypothetically, the name, you're. let's just use this name because... It's the most well-known. It's Drake May. Um, If you're Drake May and you want to go to a place where quarterbacks get produced, we're going to go Lincoln Riley or Riley May, what would you do? Now, this is where the chemistry discussion comes in. You've got a guy like Kyle McCord who's waited his turn. You've got Rayola has one more year. Devin Brown is here.
0: Do you risk it? That's a hell of a question. Uh, I tell you another one's DJ. I can't even pronounce it. Let's not even
1: talk about the package deal. That might be for
0: his brother. The possibility of getting his brother who could potentially be a uh, difference maker on the edge. So you can't, you can't have enough big guys who can run and make plays as uh, one guy once told me. So I've always kind of lived by that uh, motto. I, um, that is, one, that is really something. I mean, Drake May, I don't even know that anybody could argue against that if he expressed an interest in Ohio State and they kicked the tires and thought it was a cultural fit. I mean, sure. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, what do you do with McCord and Brown? I mean, it's it's kind of hard. McCord, um, I, I don't think he redshirted. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't think he got the redshirt last year. I don't think. Maybe he did. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a really tough call. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do on that one, Dan. I'm, I'm going to punt on that one. That's what Ryan Day gets paid the 10 million dollars a year is to figure that out and make everybody happy because, um, you know, they've been very lucky that they haven't plowed through the depth at quarterback in a given season. You know, other than that one magical year where they won the national championship and needed three of them, otherwise it's pretty much always been the starter and and, and the backup got some scraps and that was it. So, um, yeah, that's a tough one, man. I I guess only Ryan Day can answer that because only he knows how good McCord and Brown really are when they've put them in tough situations in practice. How have they done? If he did, if he's not confident in those guys, then hell yes, go out and get get somebody and let the chips fall where they may. But you know, I, I I can't I can't say that because I don't watch the practices. I'm I'm not one of those people who've been gifted access to the practice tape. And
1: <laughs> the sky doesn't lie, as I'm told. But uh, um, yeah, I mean it's it's you know they've been telling the guys, and we've heard this like uh, it's a meritocracy, and we're going to go with the best player, and it's it's all about bringing in the best possible players. Here's the reason I think I might do it. If Raiola is actually coming in the next year and he's good enough to play that early. And here's another thing. It's very carnivorous and almost feels uh mercenary like, but Ohio state will be able to go into the portal next year again and get a quarterback. That's the whole thing. This is not, the transfer portal isn't ending after this year and quarterbacks are still coming out. So, there's never going to be a time when Ohio State isn't attractive to quarter. This just in, Jules playing on, on Sundays is not hurting marketing, okay? Nick Bosa playing on Sundays isn't hurting defensive end marketing here, people. So uh, this is where I think I would do it. I know that's not been traditionally how I would go about doing things. I like the idea of internal improvement and stuff like that. But it says one guy said to me about coaching. It's like, it's not life or death until the opposition starts treating it as life or death. And if you don't, you don't get left behind. So I don't know about that. All right. We, uh, we discussed this ad nauseum on the text thread as we our nerves gathered. But we cannot think of another instance in which more dominoes rolled on one instance, and that was Utah winning that game. I have no idea what would have happened had USC won and Ohio State been kept out of the playoff. We were speculating how many guys would have gone into the portal and what the team looked like. Your basic assessment of what's happened them um, getting in, what it means, and then maybe finish with your original vibes on the Georgia matchup.
0: Yeah, I made a list of probably seven to 10 guys who wouldn't have played in a bowl game if it wasn't a playoff. And so when Ryan Day talks about them having a practice last week, two practices, some of those guys had to be looking around like, man, I'm already out the door here. What what are we doing? You mean I got to show up at two o'clock and put my uniform on and go out there on the field? What? What? So, I mean, C.J. Stroud, you know, without saying it, pretty much said that he probably wasn't going to play if it wasn't going to be a playoff. So, I mean, you would have had to think long and hard about that. So, um, and, they, you know, as of those two days last week, they had no playoff berth. I mean, they they were on the outside looking in, needing the help. And they told everybody, be prepared, because it, it's a strong possibility we will get some help from somewhere. Thankfully, Utah and Captain uh, Jack Sparrow there, uh, Cam Rising, Came to the rescue, and uh, you know uh, that was makes you want such bullet. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it makes you. My wife's like, he looks so unattractive if he just cleaned himself up. You know, whatever. She, of course, she says that about a lot of the guys that you know want this this look. But uh, I I just sitting there just saying the way this game's going, USC is definitely out. They're not among the top four teams. And so the committee had set the precedent last week when they put Ohio State five and Alabama six. And, you know, it turned out to be a perfect storm that at the end of the day on Saturday, there were four power five schools with either zero or one loss. And those are the four that made the playoff. Last year, it was cut and dried. Uh, Michigan had beaten Ohio State. Uh, Cincinnati had beaten Notre Dame uh, Ohio state and Notre Dame got left at the altar. I mean, you, sorry guys, but head to head, we put the teams in who beat you, you know, the moose out front should have told you, you know, it's just the way it was going to go. So, um, you know, I, I think that we've got one more year of this four team crap, and then we're going to go to the 12, which I wasn't really excited about. I wanted eight, probably as a first baby step, but, you know, again, like we've calculated, OSU's in every year back to 2005, other than the fickle year in the 2012 probation year. All things considered, OSU's in the tw- in the top 12 every year. So this is going to be a-, a fun thing going forward. Um, but yeah, those were crazy dominoes that fell in Ohio State's favor. The TCU game had USC won and TCU loses in overtime. I couldn't even really make a case to eclipse Ohio State, and I really didn't. I said TCU should have been three, and Ohio State should have been four, and and that's how it turned out. Had it worked out the other way, and USC had won, um, I would have still had Ohio State, or USC had won and TCU lost in overtime, I probably still would have had it that uh, that same way as well. But uh, um, as far as Georgia – Uh, You're two touchdowns down walking into Mercedes-Benz Stadium just because your fans are going to be outnumbered five to one. You know, their people don't have to pay for hotel, don't have to pay for transportation. They can drive to the game, park their car, and walk and go inside. That means it frees them up to spend $800 for the tickets. So, you know, I think that uh, Ohio State fans may want to go, but going to have a real hard time getting tickets probably for that one. Ohio State's allotment will sell out just because people can get there. Uh, in terms of on the field, uh, Stetson Bennett—he's no longer the caretaker of the offense. I think he made the Heisman Final Four kind of on merit. Twenty-seven yep. touchdowns he accounted for, twenty passing and seven Deserves rushing, and oh, threw for thirty-four hundred yards. I mean, I don't know what you people want. I mean, people like you know H- Hinden Hooker, this Hinden Hooker that. You know, it's unfortunate that Hooker and Corum didn't make it. I mean, th- those if there's a top six, those are the top six. Those are the next two guys. If in my feeling what the balloting will show, but um, yeah, just unfortunate. I mean, things happen, you know, I mean, chase young was arguably the best player in the country, if not right up there. And, you know, we saw how he ended up. So um, you know, going to be a tough game for them. And uh got to get some things figured out on defense it's got to be the best month of defensive preparation ever at Ohio State to expect to hold that team under 40 points I mean that I mean they just put 50 on LSU they gave up 30 they gave up 500 yards passing even Neusmeyer Neus, Neusmeyer came in and uh and lit him up so Great. um from, from LSU so yeah I'm I think Stroud's got to be like, here we go. you know. Um, fast track inside the dome. It's going to be a fun game, I think. And, and they set the over under like 61. They'll probably hit that like the first drive of the second half, maybe. So I, I don't know. That seems kind of low to me. Can we run the ball? <laughs> I That's think Henderson and Williams, Williams in particular, has got to be the guy. When you're going against a rugged defense like that, I think you go with Williams to uh, soften them up and then Henderson to run through them and run by them. And uh, theoretically, both should be back for the bowl game, according to Coach Day. So, uh, you know, I, I I think that, yeah, you got to establish the run in this game. And, and uh, you know, if you can get 150 yards rushing and 350 passing, I mean, you're going to be a hard team to beat. Now, does anybody really, you know, is anybody really gashed Georgia? I don't know. I mean, they've been on a great run here, 15 straight wins, and they've made a lot of good teams look bad. So, I mean, they beat Tennessee by two touchdowns and, you know, Tennessee was on a real heater when that happened. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. They, they made that Tennessee offense look really bad.
1: They're super talented. Um, their offense is, like you said, better than people think it is. I think just because maybe last year the defense was so well-known and loaded with first-round picks. But if Ohio State cannot have success running the ball on first down, I think they're in trouble. To me, that's why they ultimately lost the Michigan game. I'm one who thinks they had plenty of chances in the first half. They just didn't take advantage of them. And we've got to be in second and do whatever we want. If it's second and eight you're a you you just there's nothing you can do because
0: they're, be, they're gonna come they're gonna come with everything
1: consistently they have we will not be able to hold up and if we can i mean i can't even get into the defense before i think about ohio state figuring out a way to get somewhere between 30 and 40 points you won't even be worried about that if you can't score they've got to be able to run the football yeah. um so we'll see it'll be a real challenge for the offensive line but hey if they go through and do it, everyone you want to talk about getting paid. That's for your NF. And here's another thing. If they do beat Georgia, the championship game, I realize this mission will kind of be gravy because you'll have had the greatest win anybody has had in X number of years to beat that yep. Georgia team. So yep.
0: stop their dynasty. Yep.
1: Let's uh let's hope they can pull it off. We have plenty of time to kvetch and discuss it, and we'll do just that. We appreciate Steve stopping by. Obviously, people, even since we hopped on here, I'm going to go check my phone and the site, and I'll bet three or four guys have transferred. Hopefully, none of them out of Ohio State. But uh, keep it locked and loaded. It's a crazy time, and we will be here for all of it. Have a good one, Buck Brothers.